Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of Power Pros Podcast. Nintendo just held its 2021 E3 Nintendo Direct, and I couldn't just sit idly by without a bonus episode, so here we are back for this occasion. As always, I am your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and joining me is my very special guest co-host, a blast from the past, the one and only Too Hot Scott Michella. <laughs> Hi, Chris. I missed you. Hello, Scott. I am so glad you could join me on this special occasion. Glad to be here. It's exciting. Yeah, so I thought that Nintendo had a pretty solid show for this year's E3. I mean, nothing mind-blowing, definitely with some highs and some lows, but the good stuff has me very excited. Yeah, there was a lot to like in that Direct, so I'm, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, I mean, we're certainly not going to have the time to go over everything, but we are going to cover all the big first-party announcements and, of course, anything else we just feel like bringing up. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, big announcements, there's pretty much nothing bigger first-party than The Legend of Zelda. This year is the series' 35th anniversary in Japan, so there were multiple Zelda project announcements, not the least of which was more info on the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Finally, some new footage for us to look at. It's kind of looking like some sort of special power is being absorbed into Link's arm. Maybe it's some sort of Calamity Ganon power. Maybe it's some sort of other technological power. Maybe it's some sort of Guardian power. But yeah, Link's arm looks all uh, funky and tattooed and something is going on there. Also, we're seeing Hyrule Castle and other big chunks of Hyrule fly up into the sky. We see Zelda take some sort of tumble and she kind of disappears. Don't really know what's going on there. There's still a lot to learn. You know, I always thought it was kind of comical that Nintendo referred to the first Breath of the Wild as an open-air adventure. But really, when you see this game, I feel like it might live up to that moniker because it seems like a lot of the game is taking place up in the sky. I mean, there's still a bunch of stuff on the ground, but there are these big floating land masses in the air. And you see Link, like, you know, dropping through the clouds. It's almost like... They combine the Skyloft area from Skyward Sword seamlessly with a traditional overworld with the formula of Breath of the Wild. And it looks uh, pretty intense. What do you think? I think it looks beautiful. I like the verticality of it, really. I'm not sure how those islands in the sky are going to play out and how you're going to be able to go from place to place. But That's a good question. I'm excited to explore that world. It looks, it looks really nice. And... I got to say, the areas of Breath of the Wild, the first game that impressed me a lot, was where you got that sense of, I'm way up high, I can see so far, yeah, look at those and I'd like to go here awesome. or go there. Yeah, There was even one place in Breath of the Wild where there's like this giant hole in the ground, and you look down, and it looks like a 200 feet drop to the level below. Those kind of vistas really impressed me and gave you that sense of wonder, and I think that this... This is them one-upping themselves because it's like, how do we top what we did? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really going to be a difficult challenge for them. They made what a lot of people consider like one of these perfect open world games. And yeah. it's, you know, balancing it, making sure that, you know, it's not broken in weird ways because it's physics based and stuff like that. So, yeah, it should be very interesting, especially the fact that they're bringing in new physics into the playground and i'm also excited to see what the speeding running community does with <laughs> the new abilities 
kind of like using that levitation thing to do stuff with magnets and just right, the insane right. stuff that I've I've seen in Breath of the Wild that there's still new stuff coming out mm-hmm. from people experimenting in Breath of the Wild with the different physics. I'm just really looking forward to playing it and, you know, sinking another 200 hours into a game. <laughs> yeah, totally. Maybe that's how people are going to get up to those islands. They're just going to launch themselves up there using some sort of crazy magnesis trick and just fly through the sky and end up on one of those but yeah the verticality i think really makes sense because this is a direct sequel and breath of the wild is such this great overworld wonderful landscapes and like you were saying beautiful vistas to explore so it's like well how do we make that even better how do we make it even more vast how do we make it different and i think the answer is by tearing it apart and going up into the sky of course that's not all that's changed we have new enemies like fortresses built on top of the backs of these big old stone taluses And then we have Link with new abilities, like being able to sort of turn into liquid and morph through solid ground. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's definitely some cool new stuff going on here. And I feel like there is still going to be a lot to learn, but everything they're showing looks really, really cool. The game has a targeted release date of sometime next year in 2022. And yeah, I loved Breath of the Wild. I love Zelda. And I absolutely cannot wait to see more of this one. Yeah, I can either. And I feel like a lot of us, of course, we all wanted it sooner. Does this tell us a little bit about their plans for their their next console, the successor to the Switch, and when that may be released? Because for the last, (laughs) what, four console generations, they've bridged the gap between consoles with a Zelda game that was available both on the previous system and on the new system. And I can't imagine they'd do anything different this time around. So are we looking at a new console in 2022 and this game will be either played on your switch or will be played on console number two or possibly both (laughs) yeah i think that's only happened twice with twilight princess on gamecube and wii and then breath of the wild on wii u and switch but it's probably more of a coincidence than anything else and it's just because development was wrapping up the end of a console's life cycle on the other hand, an even better Breath of the Wild 2 would be a pretty compelling reason to get a Switch Pro or a Switch 2. And the original Switch will be five years old next year, so I guess we'll see. Yeah. But then that was not the only bit of Zelda news. They also gave some details on the Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity DLC pack number one, which comes out very soon, this Friday on June 18th. We learned that the new playable character that's included is a guardian, so you can finally turn the tables and play as one of those monstrosities. In addition to that, you'll be able to use the Master Cycle as a weapon for Zelda herself. And then Link gets a new weapon with these crazy guardian claw nunchucks that they call a flail. Then on top of that, the game features a new apocalyptic difficulty level, which I am probably never going to play. And then there are new challenges in the Royal Ancient Lab, and there are also more new challenging enemies, including higher-ranking Wizrobes and a giant, disgusting choo-choo. <laughs> a giant, disgusting choo-choo. I like that. But this is the only the first expansion for this game? This game feels like it's been out for like three years. Am I wrong? Three or four years? Well, you are probably thinking of the original Hyrule Warriors, but this is Age of Calamity, which only came out late last year. And yes, this will be the first expansion with another coming in November. And I've already played the game a lot, probably put in 30 or 40 hours or more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it does get repetitive, so I don't know if I really need more of that right now. But it's Zelda, so I will probably get it just to have the complete package. And so Mm -hmm. I can run around this prequel to Breath of the Wild, just hacking and slashing and guardian lasering everything in sight. 
Well, it looks really nice. It, it almost looks like they're using the same assets as uh, Breath of the Wild. You'll forgive me, I have not played this Warriors game. <laughs> Is that the case? Is it actually using assets from Breath of the Wild? Because it looks like it. Well, the maps are all new, and I suspect the enemy character models are all new since you're fighting like a zillion of them at once. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't surprise me if there were some shared assets in some respects. It's possible, anyway. No, it certainly looks nice. Either way, it's good to see that that is finally about to come out. And then another bit of interesting Zelda news is that there is a Legend of Zelda Game & Watch coming to help commemorate that 35th anniversary. It's sort of following in the footsteps of last year's Super Mario Brothers Game & Watch, where it is a new self-contained portable system based on the classic Game & Watch hardware, but this one features the original NES Legend of Zelda, Zelda II The Adventure of Link, and then from the Game Boy, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Uh, plus a Zeldified version of the old Game & Watch game, Vermin. Yeah, that's an odd choice. Because there is a Zelda Game & Watch. There is, there is. Do you think, because it was two screens, they didn't? They were like, wow, I don't want to try to do this two screen thing. I'm not sure. Probably something like that. I'm not really familiar with the old Zelda Game & Watch game. I mean, I know it does exist, but yeah, I, I don't know why. It does seem like a weird omission. If you're going to make a Zelda Game & Watch, you might as well put on the Zelda Game & Watch. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. But, you know, I got to say, I love The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Of course, I love Zelda 2. I love the original, so it'll be kind of great to get another excuse to play through those again. Of course, it also has a Zelda-themed clock and a timer and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, this thing is coming out on November 12th. And, uh, sure, I've played all those games before, but I am almost certainly going to get them all over again. Yeah, I feel the same. This is, this is a much nicer package for me than the, than the Super Mario Brothers one, for me anyway. Yeah, I think I have to agree. I don't think that the Super Mario Brothers one has a lot of replayability for me. Some people would disagree, I'm sure, but I, I wind up playing the original Legend of Zelda like once every couple years, so I think this would be a nice way to play it. Yeah, and for me, Link's Awakening is one of my favorite video games of all time. So that's probably the one that's going to get the mm. most playtime from me. And interestingly, not the DX version of uh, Link's Awakening, just the old black and white version. Yeah, so it seems. I'm kind of hoping it might be a secret hidden feature or something. But uh, yeah, it does seem to just be the black and white one so far. So did you end up getting a pre-order for the uh, Zelda game and watch? Uh, yes, I did indeed. I didn't have any trouble getting that one, it seemed. Do you think those will be hard to come by? The Super Mario Brothers ones are a dime a dozen. Like, I could go into Target right now and buy 10 of them. Do you think that's going to be the case with this one? I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, it was very strange with the Super Mario game to watch. They wouldn't put pre-orders up. Mm -hmm. It seemed like it was going to be really hard to get. And then once it came out, they were everywhere and they are still everywhere. So... I don't know. Are they going? I mean, they're obviously making it a lot easier to obtain now. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, what will it be like come launch day? I don't know. It's really hard to say. It's hard for me to guess. I'm glad I was able to get a pre-order in. That was nice. Yeah, I wish I did. I'm a little concerned. I think they overestimated demand for the Super Mario Brothers one. And I think they're now, because they probably made too many of those, mm. they probably, like, and also the supply chain is completely messed up right now. And I'm wondering if there's going to be a shortage of these things. And I would really like one. It looks so cool. So you weren't able to get it, huh? I, I, didn't, I didn't know it was up for pre-order. I was working. Yeah, I hadn't realized because I was able to just go and get one and it hadn't disappeared in two seconds. I figured, oh, they aren't hard to get. So interesting. Yeah, I Very think they may be. I think they may be. We'll see. Of course, we did find out, unfortunately, there are no 
other really cool things planned for the Zelda anniversary. No more Switch ports without getting Twilight Princess or Wind Waker or anything like that. But uh, hey, this is certainly better than nothing, and I'm glad to see what's on the way. And, and Skyward Sword. Oh, right, right. I meant as far as new announcements go, but yeah, I'm totally getting that and the Joy-Cons and the Amiibo, Amiibo! when it comes out in July. But unfortunately, that is the extent of it as far as older games on Switch are concerned. Yeah. That's why you got to keep your Wii U around. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So then, in addition to a bunch of Zelda news, there was also big news with another one of my favorite Nintendo franchises, that being Metroid. And what they unveiled is a new game, Metroid Dread, coming to Switch on October 8th. And I'm sure you're aware of this, Scott, but Metroid Dread has been a title that has long been rumored to be in development. It was supposedly the title of a game that was coming out, you know, maybe 15 years ago or mm-hmm. something. And Nintendo pretty much confirmed that yep. after showing it today. But uh, yeah, it is finally going to be a thing. It is a brand new 2D Metroid game, a.k.a. Metroid 5 from the folks at Mercury Steam. Mm-hmm. It is set after the events of Metroid Fusion, and much like in that game, Samus is being stalked again. In Fusion, it was the SAX. It was a Samus clone that came after you, and was you were kind of always on the run from it. You didn't know what you were going to do. And this is very similar, but now it is the Emmy robot that will stalk Samus and tear her apart with an insta-kill death if it gets close to her. Pretty brutal. And then, aside from that, and the fact that Samus has a new look with this blue and white and a bit of red outfit, it's pretty much classic 2D Metroid, along with the changes that were introduced by Mercury Steam in Metroid Return of Samus, Mm -hmm. the remake of the Game Boy game that hit 3DS a few years ago. So by that, I mean it's got counterattacks, it's got this omnidirectional free aiming, it's got special AN abilities that are limited by a little meter, and in this game, you know, that's like an invisibility cloak that mm-hmm. lets Samus go undetected, so that's one way that she can escape the Emmy. There'll be more abilities coming later, but uh, yeah, it was just all these extra things add on to this you know, great Metroid formula. There's some stealth elements to this game, and I'm not always a huge fan of stealth in games because it it kind of slows down the action a bit. But Mm -hmm. seeing during the treehouse, seeing them getting chased around by that robot looks kind of horrifying, actually. It (laughs) had me on my edge of my seat a little bit. So I'm interested to see how this game plays. I really did enjoy Samus Returns. It was a bit repetitive on the 3DS, but... Hmm. And I'm not super crazy about how it looks. I almost think like the 15 years of advancements in technology are going to do a disservice to this game. Whereas I think the more classic look of like, you know, Super Metroid, I would much prefer. I'm not saying I want a pixel art version of this game, but I feel like this game is a little drab. Yeah, I don't have any complaints with the way the game looks. I think it looks very shiny and very polished. And, you know, I think it would be a stretch to say, you know, it's like the best looking Metroid game mm-hmm. or anything. Because, yeah. you know, there is such great charm in those pixel art games. You know, Super Metroid and Metroid Zero Mission and Metroid Fusion are pretty much timeless. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I don't really have an issue with this at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you were saying about, uh, you know, being chased by this enemy That's where the tile comes from. It is instilling this sense of dread. And, you know, when games do that, you know, I'm not necessarily always the biggest fan. You know, I didn't 
Always love being chased by the SAX in Metroid Fusion. And they've done that in some Zelda games too, where there are certain enemies that will just insta-kill you if you do the wrong thing, like yeah. uh, the Phantoms. Yep. You know, to me, it kind of detracts from the overall experience of what I want out of a game like this. But it's not anything that you know. I'm really like, oh no, I don't want this because of that. I, you know, I think I'm going to enjoy the whole package. I mean, this has these moments where you're being stalked, but then it's also got a lot of really fast-paced action where you're running and climbing mm-hmm. and wall jumping. There's a new slide move. It seems that Sam's is very, very acrobatic in this game. And then, of course, it's got lots of exploration. You, know, you have familiar abilities like the morph ball. You have missiles. Your charge beam. And they showed off new power-ups like the spider magnet that lets her climb up specific walls and onto the ceiling. And, you know, when you take that all together, I feel like this kind of has the best of both worlds. You know, a lot of action, a lot of exploration. It has this whole new sort of horror, fear, stalker element. And again, going back to what you said about the visuals, yeah, I think they are shaping up pretty well so far. Yeah, I don't have an issue with it myself. Okay, yeah, I, I'm a critic, but I, I'm <laughs> definitely going to pick this one up. I did not pre-order it, though. I was working, and I couldn't, like, camp on the GameStop website and wait <laughs> for it to go on sale. So they did do pre-orders for, like, a, a premium bundle. Yes, there is a special edition that includes the game, a steelbook, an art book, and some art cards that apparently span the entire series. And, yeah, that sells for $90, whereas the regular game is your typical 60 mm-hmm. And, yeah, it sold out, like, in seconds. Pretty much everywhere it went up. Yeah, that's a no-brainer upgrade for me if I could get one. Yeah, it is very hard to obtain. I did manage to sneak in a pruder for that. I hope it holds. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's Metroid. How could you pass up a special edition on Metroid if you're able to, you know, somehow miraculously get an order in? So yeah, yeah I'm going all in on this. And then on top of the special edition, there's also a Metroid Dread set of Amiibo. Amiibo! Yeah, it is Samus and this evil nightmarish emmy robot and uh speaking of nightmarish that was even harder to get than the special edition at least for me every time i tried to get it would sell out like in seconds i put in my cart at like three different retailers and then poof gone before i could even complete the checkout Mm -hmm. and i was on the ball with this i was paying attention throughout the day checking all the sites and uh yeah it was just gone so fast this is one of the uh, worst amiibo buying experiences i have encountered so far yeah i feel like we could have used some advance warning on stuff actually going up for pre-order today that we may never get another chance at you know i don't i don't expect that special edition bundle to come back but hopefully we'll see but history has shown that that doesn't happen yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I had a similar problem when they announced the Fire Emblem physical package that came out late last year, and I totally missed out on that one, but then I was eventually able to get one later. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, by hook or by crook, I'm going to get the Metroid Dread Amiibo. Uh, I think getting them earns you some in-game power-ups, like an extra E-tank and extra missile tank mm-hmm. for the Amiibo, respectively. But I don't even care about that. I just want the Amiibo collectibles because, you know... I want to have another Samus model and a model of her foe on my shelf. Mm-hmm. Got to catch them all, as they say. Yeah. Also, during the, the reveal of this game, I had just a moment where I thought, oh, did they make a roguelike with Metroid? But, you know, I play a lot of Dead Cells. It's it's really my go-to game these days. I, mm-hmm. I probably put more hours into it than any other game on my Switch. And I really do enjoy that, like, jump in, jump out gameplay. 
I don't know if it would work in a Metroid universe, but it would be cool to see it. And obviously that is not this game, but it would have been cool, especially with the fast-paced action that they're bringing to the game. Not that it didn't always have fast-paced action, but I feel like that slide technique, the different wall jumping abilities, I think that lends itself. The counterattacks? Yep, the melee stuff. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it would have been cool to see it as a roguelike. I guess I'll just have to keep dreaming. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not usually a terribly big fan of roguelikes so uh, i'm probably happier myself that it did not end up that way but uh, yeah that certainly would be an interesting direction to go at any rate yeah i can't wait to check this one out when it arrives in uh, just uh, four months from now less actually so yeah totally looking forward to it i'm definitely going to get this as a physical game i'm not going to go digital. i i'm all physical with my switch and this game is not going to be any exception understandable unfortunately it looks like i missed out on the special edition well i'll keep an eye out for you Thanks. All right. And then what I feel like was another key announcement from their direct presentation was a new character reveal for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And it turns out it's Kazuya from the Tekken series. Yeah, this was surprise. I was surprised. I was definitely surprised. Yeah. It almost feels like, wow, this could be a whole game into itself. The well, Tekken <laughs> fan it, base it is. is huge. <laughs> and... The way they were showing this game off made it look like, oh my gosh, they basically did Super Smash cross Tekken and it's going to be played like a Tekken game. But no, no, it's it's a, it's a Smash game. It's still Smash. But it, it had me fooled. Did it have you fooled at any point? No, I can't say that they did, but I can see why you say that because it looked like Kazuya had practically his entire Tekken moveset. The punches, kicks, throws, even the 10-hit combo. And he was looking very technical and really seemed to be bringing his martial arts pedigree. As well as, of course, his penchant for throwing people in volcanoes. And I love that that is now his trademark. (laughs) That was really silly. And I I loved it. It is pretty ridiculous. Very meme-worthy. I have to say, though, I don't really feel like this was a character that anyone was really asking for or hoping for. How do you feel about that? You know, I don't play Tekken. Their fan base is very separate from other fighting games in a way. And I expect this to bring a lot of Tekken fans into the Smash fold. I don't know if it's going to go the other way. It would be nice to bring more Tekken characters into Smash. There are some really wild playable characters in the Tekken universe. Um, (laughs) This is true. This is true. You know, tiger-faced men and this guy, Bob, who's ginormous. It almost feels like a missed opportunity to bring a lot more Tekken characters into the game. How do you feel about that? You know, if they did an Echo Fire from Tekken and made it a two-for-one, like maybe Jin or Hihachi, and, you know, we do see Hihachi in the stage background, Mm -hmm. but if they made a character as an Echo Fighter, I wouldn't object to that. But, you know, there are just so many other characters from other games I'd rather see first. But, you know, a bonus Echo Fighter, that would be cool. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like he has a very robust move set. We've seen that he can turn into a devil form and shoot lasers and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, like I said, Hihachi's there in his background and that whole sort of fighting dojo they're in looks really, really cool and mm-hmm. wonderfully lit. So yeah, even if he wasn't like a highly demanded character, as far as I can tell, it does seem like he might be a fun addition to play. And of course, they are going to follow this up with a presentation from Sakurai, who gives all the details on June 28th. And I have no doubt that the character will arrive shortly after. Did they say they're going to limit the number of slots that they will have open for more characters? And are they going to be able to add any more to the game? Yes, 
in Fighters Pass number two, they said there were going to be six characters. Okay. This is character number five, so there was only one more slot. I mean, they potentially could do a third Fighters mm-hmm. Pass. It doesn't seem like they are, but it seems like there is just going to be space for one more character. So, Scott, I have to ask you, if you could choose that last character, who would it be? Ooh. Oh, boy. Um... I would say Waluigi, to be honest. I think people would buy the game just for that. They would go out and buy (laughs) a Switch just for that. Him or Rayman, to be honest. I'd love to see Rayman in this game. Hmm, Interesting. Naturally, I would go with the Amazon from Pro Wrestling. (laughs) Uh, In lieu of that, I would take Phoenix Wright or, for obvious reasons, Shantae. Oh, Shantae. That's a good one. That's not outside the realm of possibility there. Like, I think mine are kind of wishful thinking, but Shantae is big. Well, I'm in no way making a prediction, but I'd love to see it. Here's hoping. All right. Well, I feel like we have covered some of the biggest announcements so far. Why don't we take a little intermission and then we come back, we will discuss some of the other games that were shown on the E3 Nintendo Direct. We are back and we are ready to continue discussing the E3 2021 Nintendo Direct. We've already talked about a few big announcements during the presentation. Let's move along to some of the others, starting with Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp, which is scheduled to come out on December 3rd. In the interest of full disclosure, this game is being developed by WayForward in conjunction with Nintendo, and I'm a member of the WayForward marketing team. Anyway, yeah, so Advance Wars is coming back. And even though it's called Reboot Camp, it's not really necessarily a reboot. It's more of a remake of the Nintendo Game Boy Advance classics, Advance Wars 1 and Advance Wars 2. And uh, yeah, this is a military strategy series, grid-based, turn-based. The franchise is returning after many years to let players become tacticians in this cartoony world where they can use various units like infantry and tanks and helicopters and jets and boats and artillery and anti-aircraft weapons and personnel carriers. And you go wage war against the enemy armies. You know, from where I'm sitting, it just seems really cool to see the series making a comeback. Yeah, it was really exciting to see watching the streams. The chat just went bananas. I think more at that than any other part of the stream. So more than just me are hyped about this. I own more than one GBA. I probably have 10 or 12 of them. (laughs) I have played Advanced Wars quite a bit and I do enjoy it. I'm not a huge fan of turn-based tactical games, mostly because they're so punishing. Mm -hmm, I feel that. You know, 
you'll play a level, you'll play for a half hour, slowly, you know, getting through your turns, and then you lose at the end, mm -hmm. and you have to do the whole thing over, and there's no rewind. I wonder if there's going to be some less punishing mechanics in this to make this game a little less punishing, but it looks gorgeous. It really does pay homage to the original art style of the game, this very colorful bright blues, bright reds, bright yellows. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's now rendered in all 3D for the mm -hmm. most part. It's not uh, 2D like it used to be. But uh, yeah, I think it's looking pretty darn nice. And you know, I'm kind of with you. I don't play too many turn-based strategy games myself other than Fire Emblem. But you know, this one is really cool. There's a lot of depth. You know, the ability to generate your own units and choose what those units are mm -hmm. adds this whole extra level of complexity. And then you have these commanding officers with their own unique powers that can really turn the tide of battle. And when you factor that in with all the you know different unique types of vehicles you can use mm -hmm. and the very different vibrant aesthetic and the 20th century inspired setting and you get a strategy game that really stands out from other games in the genre it's easy to see why the series is so beloved and it's awesome that it's making a comeback in my opinion i think it's going to bring a lot of new people into the turn-based strategy game genre kind of like rabbits and we're going to get to rabbits in a bit but uh for a lot of people this was the first introduction to turn-based strategy games way back in the day 20 years ago so or was it was it <laughs> yeah or more well the gba only came out 20 years ago but uh, yeah it's somewhere in that ballpark for sure mm -hmm. yeah and yeah there's going to be a lot of content here like the title says it's advance wars one and advance wars two in addition to single player campaigns it's got four player multiplayer so yeah there should be a lot to enjoy here yeah and actually seeing the direct made me want to dust off my gba one of them <laughs> <laughs> I collect GBAs and they're all in various states of repair or disrepair. But um, I'm almost certainly going to be playing Advance Wars in the next week or so on one of them. All right. Cool to hear that you're fired up. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so moving along, another Nintendo series that is making its return is WarioWare with WarioWare Get It Together coming out on September 10th. And of course, as always, this WarioWare game is all about these very brief micro-games that only last a few seconds. They're even more mini than mini-games, and there will be more than 200 of them in all. All sorts of ridiculous stuff like squeezing toothpaste and <laughs> dodging falling poop, playing classic <laughs> Nintendo games, plucking body hair, rocking a baby to sleep, spinning a windmill, activating a party popper. But what's different about this one is that you're no longer just controlling random inanimate objects or characters or interacting directly with the environment in every micro game. Yeah. Now you're actually directly taking control of Wario and this whole eclectic cast of side characters like Jimmy Z and Mona and Ninevolt and Cat and Anna. And they've each got different abilities. So it's not only about reacting to your situation, but mastering each character's abilities, apparently. Yeah, that's really neat. And there's also a multiplayer component to this, which I, I think mm -hmm. I think the series needed that kind of freshness, something new. I think the, the different playable characters is one thing, but adding the multiplayer and making it more like a party game. I wonder if it's going to step on like Mario Party's toes. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting those are coming out within about two months of each other. But hopefully there's room for two new party games on Switch. Anyway, I've always really liked WarioWare. I am cautiously optimistic about this one since changing it to all character-focused action feels like it could 
restrict the formula and make some things less precise, but I'm trusting them to make something different and fun and cool here. You know, I don't think it's the first time they've had a multiplayer component in a Wario game, but uh, yeah, it is something that's uh, really nice to see. And they've talked about how there's two-player co-op, presumably there is versus as well. And uh, yeah, this game almost always delivers fun and laughs, and uh, I think this will be no exception. I agree. I'm going to get it. I'm kind of on the fence. I might need to play it first, but uh, I'm certainly looking forward to getting my hands on it and making a decision then. Yeah. But yeah, as we were just alluding to, another Nintendo property coming to Switch is Mario Party with Mario Party Superstars on October 29th. And this Mario Party game is a remix of past Mario Parties. It has five classic boards from the N64 installments and a hundred mini-games from throughout the entire series. So, as always, there are a wide variety of characters, from Mario and Luigi and Peach to Waluigi and Birdo. There are coins to collect and stars to exchange for and items to use and uh, all sorts of random elements that will help you overcome your opponents or transform your surefire victory into an agonizing defeat. Do you have the other Mario Party for the Switch? I do, but it didn't get a lot of play in my house. Um, no, I don't have it myself. Maybe because I'm old <laughs> or maybe because I just don't have friends. <laughs> um, single player Mario Party is never, never fun. Yeah, it's usually not the best. But the fact that this has online play, yeah, I think that's going to make this a little less of a one-time use. You know, you play it when you have friends over type thing. And of course, it does have a single player mode, but I think this game is best enjoyed with friends. That's where it shines. Oh yeah, multiplayer is definitely the way to go. It does support up to four players, either on a single system or with multiple systems. And yes, like you said, all modes will support online gameplay, so you can play with total unknowns or with friends. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like there's going to be any sort of online chat or anything, but you can make stickers to (laughs) communicate with your opponents. Yeah, that's where you need your own Discord or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And like you said, this is the kind of game where the enjoyment has a lot to do with the situation you're in. If you're playing this solo, maybe it's not so great. If you're playing to win, well, Mario Party is usually too random for that. But, you know, in the right setting, Mario Party is super, super fun, you know, Say you've uh, kicked back and you've had way too much uh, milk to drink. (laughs) I think that the Mario Party games are great. And uh, I think uh, this will be a blast with friends. You know, people are getting together a lot more after being separate for the last year, year and a half. And this might be just the thing for those uh, holiday get-togethers when this game comes out towards the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And really, this takes care of, I believe, all of the major first-party announcements that were done at this Nintendo Direct. But uh, are there any other announcements that you want to talk about? Any third-party announcements? Any other E3 announcements that happened over the course of the last few days that either were or were not at this particular presentation? Yeah, there's a couple. I quickly want to mention a game that was announced that is kind of maybe not on everybody's list, but it is on mine. Uh, And I'm going to out myself here. My wife is the one in the house who plays all the AAA uh, games, uh, the big event games. Mm -hmm. And I mostly just play Nintendo games and, of course, Nintendo's major releases. (laughs) Fair enough. But I'm really looking forward to Life is Strange. Oh, okay. It's a game that my wife really enjoyed, and I watched her play a little bit. 
But um, I'm looking forward to that kind of narrative gameplay that I don't really get a lot with most Nintendo games, I want to say. Interesting. Yeah, I dabbled in that. I played like maybe the first, you know, 20 minutes. If there was a demo, I played the demo. But yeah, I haven't gone too far into Mm -hmm. that series. But uh, it is intriguing, that's for sure. Yeah. And the other one that I'm interested in is the Mario plus Rabbids game. Ah, right. As we were alluding to earlier. Yes, Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope coming out next year. Yeah, and I bought the first one knowing full well it was a turn-based strategy game. And I thought, (laughs) you know what? I love Mario. I love Rabbids. I will learn to enjoy this game. And I did play it for quite a while, but ultimately it fell flat for me and I didn't really go (laughs) forward with it. And mostly because it's my inability to play tactical strategy turn-based games in any competent way. I'm completely incompetent. (laughs) And I get punished by these games. You know, they punish you when you take chances that you probably shouldn't take. And I'm a chance taker, so maybe that's my problem. But this game seems to, it, you know, they say that it has some action. So you have a little bit more than just selecting a command and seeing how it plays out. Yeah, it certainly seems like there's a much greater freedom of movement. Mm-hmm. And even though it is a tactical game, it's also got a lot more of an action component, it seems. Yeah, and again, I love Mario and I love Rabbids, so I really want to like this game and I may end up picking it up. If you didn't get the first one, I mean, it's on fire sale now. You could probably get it for like $8. Um, yeah, like 10 15 even for the physical version. Uh-huh. Yeah, so if you missed that one and you do like turn-based strategy games, maybe check that out or maybe just wait for this one. The other thing I like about this new one is the setting. It kind of seems like they took the Mario plus Rabbids formula from the first game and then combined it with Mario Galaxy. And in fact, you know, one of the new characters is Rosalina or maybe Mm -hmm. it's Rabid Rosalina. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I love the Galaxy series. So just sort of combining that whole concept and aesthetic to anything else, I think, you know, can only make it better. So, yeah, I am... Looking forward to see more on this one as well. You know, I kind of passed on the original just because, you know, I've got so many other things to play. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this one certainly does look promising too. And maybe there will be a demo. We'll see. Yeah, I hope so. It'd be nice. I think that would have helped me make a better decision with the first one. Well, as for me, a couple of the other titles that stood out were Danganronpa Decadence. And Scott, I don't blame you at all if you have no idea what Danganronpa is. That and the Shin Megami Tensei game, like I'm, that's way outside of my comfort zone with regards <laughs> to games. But please do tell that crazy bear. I, I please explain <laughs> <Yes>. it. <laughs> so it's this M-rated adventure series where these characters who don't know each other are kidnapped by Monokuma, who is, yes, indeed a robot bear. <laughs> and basically, you're forced to compete against the others who are literally trying to escape by getting away with murder. The other characters may work with you or work against you, Mm -hmm. and then they hold these trials to try to catch the killer. And let me tell you, it's pretty messed up. But I also really like the characters and the stories involved, and I believe with Danganronpa Decadence, they are coming to Nintendo platforms for the first time. So it is a combination of Danganronpa 1 and 2 and 3, and then Danganronpa S Ultimate Summer Camp, which is apparently a board game spinoff that I am not familiar with at all. And I first played the series on PlayStation Vita, I believe, and I greatly enjoyed it. So I am almost certainly going to get this on Switch. 
There is a physical exclusive that includes the whole Danganronpa Decadence package, or you can download the four titles separately. So, you know, if you're not sold out, if you're not familiar with it, maybe you can just, you know, check out the first one and see what you think, and then maybe take it from there. Yes, it is very Japanese. It is very weird. It's definitely not for everybody, but I totally dig it. I think that's another, this is another game that would benefit from a, a demo. I think there's a lack of demos on the Switch for games that I think I would like to give a try and don't want to make the huge $60 investment on something that I may not end up playing after 10, <laughs> 10 or 15 hours. Yeah, I think the weirder a game is, the more beneficial a demo is. But let me tell you, if there is no demo for this, if it comes down to it, I will let you borrow mine so you can make up your mind for yourself. Sounds good. Also, just recently announced were River City Girls 2 and River City Girls 0. And of course, those are from Way Forward, where I'm employed. But uh, yeah, I am super excited for those. River City Girls 2 being a brand new RPG-infused beat-em-up sequel. It has new characters. It has returning characters, you know, new moves, new enemies, new recruits, new environments. And it's going to have local and online co-op. And, you know, people seem to really enjoy the first River City Girls, which is a spinoff, of course, of River City Ransom and the Kunio Kun series. So it was really cool to be able to finally make this official and reveal something about what's going to be in the sequel. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I love the art style on that first game. Uh, cool. Glad to hear it. But, you know, that's not all. There's also River City Girls Zero, which is actually a classic 16-bit Super Famicom game that was known as Shin Niketsu Koha Kunio Tachi no Banka, which you know, was also a 2D beat-em-up, but it never came out in North America. So it's got this new title because it's basically the direct predecessor and main influence on River City Girls, but it also retains its classic 16-bit gameplay and graphics and music, but also with some new accoutrements. It's going to have a new animated intro with a new theme song. It's going to have an opening and closing manga cutscenes, and of course it's being localized for the West for the first time. So I'm very happy to see this lost classic coming to the West. So that's going to be two games for the price of one? Uh, no, these are two games sold separately. Two games sold separately, cool. Yep. The first River City Girls was a limited run games physical release. Yes. Um, which I was lucky enough to get. Do you have any idea if we might see a physical version of either of these games? Yeah, that's when they were announced. They were announced during the limited run games LRG3 event oh. earlier this week. Well, great. And uh, yeah, so they are both coming in physical form. Awesome. And the nice thing about limited run games is if you have a pre-order, you're going to get the game and you don't have to, you know. Right, right. You don't have to fight 100 other people for the, the chance. So yeah, these days it's an open pre-order. Yep. So you're going to have a period of, you know, we don't know how long it's going to be, whether it's you know, two weeks or four weeks. It's usually four weeks these days. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, you have that entire time frame to get your order in and then they manufacture to order. So even though it is limited to that number during the open pre-order period, you, know, you can order as many as you want. So Well, I'm going to get both of these. They look awesome. <laughs> right up my alley. All right. Cool to hear. And then, of course, the last game I have to mention, even though it did not debut during E3 weekend, it was shown during E3 weekend at Capcom's digital event. That is, of course, The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, which is a pair of two Ace Attorney prequels that were released on 3DS in Japan, but never came to North America. And uh, now they are. The game hits in July, and I am a huge, ginormous Ace Attorney fan, so I couldn't be more excited about this and uh, we'll be picking that up on day one, that's for sure. 
Yeah, you know, I still haven't played the Ace Attorney Professor Layton crossover, and I'm a huge Layton fan. I know it plays more like an Ace Attorney game, but I'm probably going to play that first. And oh, it plays like both. Oh, well, maybe that will dip my toes in the Ace Attorney waters, and then I will pick up the other one if I like it enough. But I still have I still have a big, big backlog of 3DS games I need to play through, and that's one of them. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a great place to start. And uh, hey, if you dig it, then maybe you can add... Uh, Grace Attorney Chronicles to your must-play list as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, that covers all of my uh, high points of interest from the Nintendo Direct, as well as the other related E3 presentations that have happened over the last few days. And, you know, overall, maybe this wasn't like the greatest E3, but considering that we didn't even have one last year and this one was entirely virtual and we're just sort of getting everything back up and running again, Mm -hmm. I feel like this was certainly a step in the right direction. And, uh, you know, I think there is, as a Nintendo fan, just a lot of cool stuff on the way in the months ahead. You know, more Zelda, more Metroid, Return of Advance Wars, Return of WarioWare. I mean, maybe this wasn't like an A-plus show, but yeah, there's lots of cool stuff I'm looking forward to. Me too. I think what it really shows is the strength of Nintendo's IP, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. There's very little new stuff in this Direct. Even the third-party stuff is kind of rehashes of other old things that were great at the time and could use a refresh. It's made me really think about going back and playing some of the older games like the original Advance Wars. I hold on dearly to my old consoles and systems, my old handhelds. So I'm excited to play some of these old games again to get excited about the new games. One of my (laughs) favorite things I picked up only recently is called the RetroTink. Have you heard of this? Uh, No, I'm not familiar with it. It's called the RetroTink 5X. What it does is it upscales your old video games system. So Ah. it accepts nearly any kind of input, but it really shines when you supply it with video signal from like an, an NES or a Super NES or a GameCube, you know, your Genesis, your Turbo Graphics, it takes all those inputs and it makes it look amazing on uh, your big screen TV. It's not cheap. It's like 300 bucks. But um, what it does allow you is to go back and play these old games on your giant flat screen 4K TV and the games look amazing. So for anybody who was inspired like me to go back and play some of the classics from this direct, consider that. All right, well, you better hurry up and dip into that backlog because it won't be too long before this new stuff starts coming out. And with that said, I feel like that sort of brought this week's episode pretty much to a close. But, you know, it wouldn't be an episode of Power Pros if we didn't have one more thing. And, of course, by that, I mean a dramatic reading. Specifically, in this case, it's going to be the Nintendo eShop description of the Switch game, Tales of Jungarian Hamster. A story of Jungarian hamsters created by you and Hamster Fairy. Real and fluffy, the Jungarian hamster expressed in 3D reproduces the unique fluffiness of the hair. Jungarian hamsters that move in various ways in a cage are healed just by looking at them. (laughs) Introducing over 30 types of Jungarian hamster with various features. Not only pudding and blue sapphire, but also fire, (laughs) caramel, and chocolate Jungarian hamster that don't exist in reality appear in the game. In addition, each type has its own characteristic 
that has various effects, such as Lonely and Angel of Love. Let's get along with hamsters and collect cage items. Fluffle Kerfuffle is a place where you can pet and love hamsters. Food Forager is where hamsters are guided to a goal with sunflower seeds. Get friend points by making friends with hamsters in various mini-games. Friend point can be exchanged with various cage items. Get a lot of cage items and make your own cage. That they're, they're, they're really selling it on the Jungarian, the Jungarian thing. Is that a real word? They are. I, I don't know. I am not a hamsterologist. <laughs> if it was about capybaras, maybe I would have an answer for you, but I do not know that much about hamsters. What I really want to know is more about this hamster fairy. They just like throw out the hamster fairy in the <laughs> deck there, and then they don't really say anything else about it. What is a hamster fairy? Well, the this mind is, boggles. This is where I'm. I mourn the loss of the instruction booklet. <laughs> this kind of thing will not be preserved for future generations to enjoy. Indeed. Once the eShop closes, <laughs> the tales of the Jungarian hamsters and the ridiculous, if that could even be called a description. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be lost to the ages. I'm glad you captured it here. It will be tragic. That was amazing. How did you find that? I want to know how you found that. <laughs> I want to know how many bad shovelware game descriptions did you read through before you landed on that? That one I came across pretty quickly. You know, just once in a while, I browse through the eShop, see what I can see. And as soon as I saw something with the word hamster, I'm like, well, I got to see what this is all about. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. I'm going to have to save this for the next time I do a podcast. Because, you know, it would have been nice to do something E3 related for this week's dramatic reading. But no, I have had this hamster game in my back pocket <laughs> for like more than a month now. So yeah, I've just been waiting for an excuse. I'm tempted. I'm tempted to buy it. But I'm sure if I see the screenshots, <laughs> it's probably... It has hamster dancing. Dancing hamsters. They're 3D, I assume. They're not yeah. They're not 2D pixel art. Oh. <laughs> well, if you get it, you have to tell me all about the, the hamster fairy. Because I want to know more. Oh, my. I don't know. I, it's after I get through uh, <laughs> Professor Layton versus Ace Attorney and the okay. other games on my backlog and, and Chrono Trigger. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Well, you'll have to let me know once you've gotten through all those. Yes, I will. Anyway, yeah, I think that is a show. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us for this special episode of Power Pros. Of course, we are continuing to not be on a regular schedule, so I do not know when or if we'll be back again, but uh, nonetheless, you can reach us at PowerProsePod on both Facebook and Twitter, as well as via email at PowerProsePod at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter, at Chris the Hoff, and you can reach Scott at PlasticBugs. Thank you for listening, everybody. For myself, Scott Michella, Jungarian Hamster. And our little buddy, 9Volt. I can't wait to buy some more new games! Keep on playing with Pal.